Hello everyone, we are Eva Lam and Paula Valverdu and welcome to our third episode of Equal Home, a podcast from Equal Esade. First of all, we have to thank everyone that has decided to follow up this short Taylor Swift series. We, we expect you like this second and last episode as much as you loved the first one. Just to remind you and for those first listeners, Today, we will talk about Taylor being slut-shamed. Then, we will talk about the re-recording issue. And finally, we will talk about the $1 sue. Please do not hesitate to send us a message through Instagram, equal lowbar esade, with your suggestions for the following topics. We are more than happy to interact and debate with all of you. So, let's start. So in this part, we're going to talk about how the amazing career of a musician gets eclipsed by the gossip behind slot shaming. Taylor Swift has won more than 437 awards. She's the only woman solo artist to win the Grammy for Album of the Year thrice. So that's three times for her solo recordings. Her music usually treats the topics of love, heartbreak, and all the different stages of a romantic relationship. However, she has also turned into one of the greatest storytellers in our generation. The lyrical quality of her work is stunning, with lyrics such as All Too Well and the whole folklore and evermore album Taylor exposes, in a very well-written pieces, feelings that are known by most of people. She has done this since day one. An example is the song Mr. Perfectly Fine. Because through her lyrics evolve as she gets older, her ideas and how she formulates them have always been unique. Yet, what tabloids talk about are her exes. What everyone mentions about Taylor and what she is usually asked for is her personal romantic business. And though it makes sense to say, oh, well, but if her whole discography is about that, it's just common sense that people are interested in it. And this might make sense. But then you take the example of Ed Sheeran or Bruno Mars, two incredible artists, that speak about their personal experiences many times, but casually, they are not asked about their personal relationships. In second place, it is clear for most of people that she has dated many men. However, the quality behind her pieces is not as clear. It is true that her personal experiences are key through all her life as a musician. However, a dismissed point is her capacity to write and create the stories. Albums like Evermore or Folklore have several fiction stories that are just as spicy as real life can be. The plot twist inside some of the Taylor's songs, like State of Grace, captures listeners and robs them in an atmosphere that goes far beyond tangible occurrences. The point we want to raise is that it is a pity that some people never get to know her discography better because they decide to 
stay in the sexist perspective of reducing a woman's creative work to the excess she has. This is a clear example of how women face more obstacles in professional lives, and the role that society assigned to us seems to socially replace any other characteristic that can expose us women as unique individuals. This is a dehumanizing process that happens unconsciously inside of our heads. And this can only stop if we decide to stop it ourselves as a personal decision. It is impossible to talk about Taylor without mentioning the most recent scandal that she is facing. However, even though the release of her re-recording discography has made this breaking news, the story begins a few years ago. Taylor had signed with Big Machine when she was very young and she gave all the rights of the audio files from which all the copies come from, the rights of using them on media and public presentations in which there is a recording. So these rights are called masters. So although this seems a quite naive move from Taylor, it is important to mention that she signed with Big Machine when she was only 16 years old. She was not the phenomenon we know nowadays, so the terms and conditions of any contract were pretty much on the side of the record label. It is fair to say that Big Machine complied with its objective of positioning her and generate the icon that we now know. However, in 2018, Taylor was in a completely different place, in which she had enough power to negotiate the rights of her masters, the files that Eva previously mentioned. So, she decided to change from record level. She goes to Universal, leaving behind the property of all her previous albums and focusing on the future, because Universal would give a better deal for her future work. On the other hand, Big Machine Records offered her a deal to obtain the rights of previous albums. So the deal was that for each new album, she would get the rights of one old album. But Big Machine was going to be sold, and she knew that. Once Big Machine was sold, it ends up falling into the hands of an investment holding company of which Scooter Brown is part. Scooter Brown is manager of several celebrities like Justin Bieber, Kanye West and Demi Lovato. Moreover, Scooter Brown has had a history online and offline of bullying Taylor. So, he was already a persona non grata to Taylor at this point. Curiously, the artists that he represented were the ones that had bad blood with Taylor at the moment. When Scooter Brown's holding gets the masters, a new discussion begins. Taylor says that Scooter Brown, as much as Scott Borchetta, one of the owners of Big Machine, don't allow her to use her most popular songs in the 2019 VMAs or in her documentary Miss Americana. Taylor explains that the only way that they would allow her to use those songs was if she committed to not to record her songs the following years. They did know that there was a legal loophole in the contract that allowed Taylor to start re-recording her old albums from 2020. Taylor said, 
the message was clear. Basically, be a good girl and shut up. Taylor's team started negotiating the rights of the masters again with Scooter Brown. But Brown's legal team said that Taylor must sign a NDA, a confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement in which she committed to not speak publicly about Scooter Brown unless it was in a positive way. According to Taylor's legal team, this was not normal, so they said no. Another controversy blows up. Another holding buys 100% of Taylor's music, videos, and album masters to Scooter Brown. This was the second time all the rights were sold without notifying Taylor. This was Taylor's lifelong work. Imagine how she must have felt. Taylor starts negotiations with this new holder, but her team finds out that Scooter Brown would still continue to receive profits in this deal. So Taylor and her team decide to fully step down and start the re-recording of her albums in 2020. This is an example of how the structures in which our society is based facilitate that men take control over women's lifelong work. Our system is constructed in a way that men that don't like a woman can end up dominating her. Scooter Brown wanted to shut down Taylor Swift and he used every single mechanism that he had to try and do it. From bullying her on social media to take real legal and economic actions that could have had dramatic repercussions for Taylor. And dramatic repercussions is the best way to transition to our last topic, which is the $1 suit. When she was 27 years old, Taylor went to court against a former radio DJ that once groped her. A picture shows the moment Muller, the DJ, inappropriately grabbed her, putting his hands up her skirt. Taylor explains that she told his boss they did an investigation and he got fired. After this, he sued her for millions of dollars, so she countersued for one dollar. In her own words, she explains, You walk into a courtroom and there is this person staring at you like you did something to him. The first thing they say to you in the courtroom is, Why didn't you scream? Why didn't you react quicker or stand further to him? Despite the fact that there were seven people who saw him doing it and a photo of it happening, she had to face these questions that blame her from what he did to her. She had to go through an extremely dehumanizing process in which lawyers get paid to antagonize victims. The jury decided in her favor and they believed her. She expressed in a concert. I just think about all the people that weren't believed and the people who haven't been believed and the people who are afraid to speak up because they think they won't be believed. And I just wanted to say I am sorry to anyone who wasn't believed because I don't know what turn my life would have taken if people didn't believe me when I said that something had happened to me. The experience that she exposes in the Miss Americana documentary is just a proof of how white, beautiful and millionaire women who are allegedly on top of everything still have to face gender violence 
and the system which structurally functions against women. This is not to say whatsoever that women of color don't have further obstacles and harder challenges. This is to say that patriarchal societies affect all women and it is our responsibility to identify those errors in the system in order to improve it or create a better one. And that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone who is listening right now. This has been an extremely long topic, but we consider each point to have a great insight that we can raise debate and discussion. If you want to stay tuned, follow us on Instagram at Equal Low Barisade and subscribe to this podcast. Don't forget to check our next episode that will come out next Thursday. Have a good one. Bye. Purple kisses. <laughs> <laughs>